0: Turn the That I am loved. Cause I've seen I am and now, I know. Known a love like yours. No, oh, I've never known a love like yours. Oh, I've never known a love like yours. No, no, I've never known a love like yours. Oh, I've never known a No, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm.
1: we have what's called the presidential prayer watch and we have like 1500 people praying for the president but I, we felt like the Lord was leading us to raise up 90 men as a part of the prayer watch and we've called them the 90 the 90 mighty men strategy something like that they're the mighty, mighty men of David you know they're, no not really but you know it's pretty. It's a play on words there are really, they really were the mighty men of David and anyway we've got about a third of of those men in place. And we're going to go ahead and get started, but if there are those watching or you want to be a part of that, it's just a strategy we saw out of 2 Chronicles 23 where Joash was raised up as king and the daughter of Jezebel had a fit. And she was not not happy. And Jezebel, the daughter of Jezebel, which I believe represented the spirit of Jezebel, wanted to bring Joash down. And God gave the Levites the authority to protect the king. They were given weapons of warfare. And they guarded the king in his going in and his coming out. And then they also dealt with the daughter of Jezebel. You can read that story. They brought her, she met her demise. And then as a result, all the people rushed into the temple and tore down the altars of Baal. It's a really awesome story. You can read about it. But how many of you know we're facing a spirit of Jezebel right now in this day, in our nation? So anyway, we're going to raise up these men and, you know, it's going to be easy. We're just going to pick days to fast and pray. If you want to be a part of that, you can email us at presidentialprayerwatch at gmail.com. Presidentialprayerwatch at gmail.com. And we actually have a nationwide conference call worldwide. I saw some guys signed up from New Zealand. You know, so we're only a third of the way, but so this will be a work. You know, if we go the whole world, you're bound to get 90 men, you know, 90 men out of the whole world. You know, we just throw the blanket out wide. Maybe we'll get 9 million men. That'd be pretty awesome. And then one more thing. You know, I wanted to mention, we really want to raise up. We have some home groups in this fellowship that are meeting during the week. We need a bunch more to be prepared for the harvest. We're not going to be able to get them all here. I know today you would never believe that. But I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to get them in this building. And uh, we've also prepared downstairs. But we're going to need a bunch of homes, people that are ready to disciple. If, you don't, if you've ever been interested in leading a home group, just see us. Contact the office. See me, Rocky Long also. And um, Anyway, let's pray and then I'm going to share something. You guys with me? Hadn't, nobody's falling asleep. I ain't going to let you fall asleep. There's not that many. I can come around and jank you. you, know, you, you know. Wake up, man. What are you doing? You give me a complex if everybody went to sleep. You know, it would really. I think I've told you before, when I was growing up, there was a group of men in the choir. How I many of you remember the old choirs up in the choir loft? You, came, you didn't come out of that generation. But anyway, there were a group of men that they agreed with everything the pastor said every Sunday. You know how I know? Because they were nodding all the whole time. They were, you know, <laughs> they were nodding. You know, he, the pastor could have said, "You're all going to hell," and those guys up in the choir would have been, you know, just nodding. They didn't anyway. It's that was the old days. I know we don't. There's not even any place to put a choir anymore like that. But anyway, you know, thank God for those backgrounds. I'm thankful I grew up in a church that preached the word. You know, that it did something to me. And uh, because I also, that's, do you know, that's where my heart is. I want to preach its Word. But Lord, we thank You so much, God, that You are called each one of us into this season of time in our nation for such a time as this. And we thank You, God. We're right on time. And Lord, we just pray that, God, I ask You to raise up 90-plus men, Lord, uh, that would Be a part of that particular strategy. Lord, we also pray for home groups in this region that would spring up and be prepared for the harvest. And uh, God, we do pray help, grace. Lord, define how to be a part of this 21-day fast. And we thank you, Lord, for this incredible time. Thank you for your presence here, Lord, this morning. Holy Spirit, come. We don't want to do anything without you. We don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to say anything. Lord, we thank You. We want to be the sent ones in this hour that do the Father's will. And Lord, we thank You You put something in us that that will not allow the devil to talk us out of what God has called us into. And Lord, just like Rebecca, Lord, she said, if everything is well, why is all this going on? And yet there was... She was carrying, she was pregnant. In her womb were two nations. And Lord, I thank you for what you've called us to give birth to in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. I had a, a dream this week, and you already know, I, dreams to me are under. You know, the authority of Scripture. To me, the highest revelation is the Word, the Word of God. But He said, in the last days, I'll pour out My Spirit. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And on your men servants and maidservants, I'll pour out My Spirit. On your sons and daughters. And so, obviously, dreams are going to be very important for this time. Because I personally believe we're living at the end of the age. Now, whether it lasts, you know, a few years or many years, I don't know. One day is as a thousand with the Lord. But I do believe it's a very significant period of history in the earth and also in our nation. How many of you know that? This is not a normal time. And uh, there are many things going on. There's great things about to erupt in our nation. And it's only the restraining of the Holy Spirit that's keeping, you know, massive darkness from breaking out. And we see a lot of that darkness wanting to break out. But in this dream... Here's what I, I'm just gonna tell you how I saw it. I saw my dad, my father. Now my father has passed away, it's been seven, eight years ago. But in this dream I saw him, he looked exactly like my dad. And it's like we were on a train, and somehow the conductor had split up all the segments of the train, and so my father was in another segment. And I knew this train was about to get going. And if I was gonna catch up with my dad, you better go quickly to that car and see him. And so I rushed to get there. And when I got there, now first of all, let me just tell you, I believe that my father in the dream represented God the Father. And I had to go seek after him. Now God is seeking after us. Even while we were yet sinners, he's pursuing us. But in this hour, God's looking for those that will seek after him with all their heart. Go after him. You know, run after the Lord, passionate for Him. Hunger, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, you know, shall be filled. It's not passively sitting back saying, okay, God bless me. I mean, yes, He blesses us, but He wants us to run after Him, pursue the purpose of heaven. But when I got there, my father was asleep. His, his, he was leaning back on the chair, you know, whatever, in that train. Now you say, well, is that biblical? Because the scripture says, He that watches over you neither slumbers nor sleeps. It's biblical. Psalm 78. I'll show you that really quickly. Look, look at this scripture. This is our part in this. Psalm, I believe it's Psalm 78. Maybe it's Psalm 74. There it is, Psalm 74, verse 22. Look at this. Arise, O God, plead your own cause. Remember how the foolish man reproaches you daily. And if you read the entire context, God is actually, it says, arise, O God, and uh, awaken, O God. The Scripture in the Hebrew speaks of awaken, O God. Awaken, not that God's asleep, but He's looking for a people that will run after Him and pursue Him until he awakens and answers the prayer. Does that make sense? And there are other scriptures. I don't know that that particular scripture is the one I'm looking for. But God wants to arise and he's looking for a people that will stir him up. And uh, seek him until he comes and answers the cry of their heart. And it is with this nation. And then the next thing, not only are we supposed to... Well, look in verse... I found it. Psalm 78, verse 65. Here's the scripture. I mean it's just us this morning. So we we got all day. Here it is, verse 65. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep. There it is. That's what I'm looking for. The Lord awoke as from sleep, like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. And notice in verse 66 what happens. And he beat back his enemies and put them to a perpetual reproach. And so that's what we need. Arise, O God, and scatter your enemies. And we need him to do that. We, we've got to cry out God, arise, O God and scatter your enemies over this land. Awake, O oh God. And that's, that's in the Scripture. And then the next thing is, my Father gave me, when, when He awoke in this dream, He gave me some items. Now, a lot of things He was giving me, I can't remember what they were. But two things I remember in particular. One was a flashlight. So He gives me a flashlight. Now, what does that speak of? You know, darkness shall cover the earth, deep darkness of the people. But he that follows Him... Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. And so the Lord's given us the ability to see in this time of darkness. But not only given to us to see, but to help others to see as well. And then another thing, now this was a strange thing. I'm just going to tell you how it was. He gave me, it was like a little, I'm just going to tell you what I heard was a prop, a prop. It was like a platform. You know, like a little altar. But it was, wasn't that big. It was something that you would place a book on. You know, what's that? A stand. But I heard in the dream, surely, I heard the word prop. But it's a stand. Same thing. You know, but it's... Done. Now, here's what it. But I looked the word up. No, I'm glad. I, we talked about that. I'm glad you remind me. Because she said, David, the people aren't going to know what a prop is. Well, I'll define it. Here's what it is. It means a support. To prevent from falling, to sustain, to strengthen, to keep in position in times or keep stable in a time of shaking. So it did mean a whole lot when I went and looked that word up. You know what I mean? Because I need a prop. You gave me a prop. What's that? I know it's a stand. It's a little. But listen, God's given us the grace. How many of you know there's a great shaking coming? God's going to shake the church, the structure in America because the current structure is not going to be able to hold the wine that He wants to pour out out upon us. So He's going to have to shake a little bit. In fact, He said everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But in the midst of it, people are going to be strong and stable and not only are we going to remain calm and cool and, you know, He's given us a sound mind, but we're going to help others to stay that way as well. I heard We had some meetings this week. Rick Joyner came up. You know, I'm one of the pastors and one of the leaders, and we had a leaders meeting. And uh, Justin from the church in Fort Mill, the pastor, told me about something that recently happened in Kansas City I didn't know about. But they've been having every year this one thing conference. I mean, you've ever been there? You've heard about it, I'm sure, up at the Kansas City Fellowship. You've been there. Yeah, the One Thing Conference. It's every January, or maybe it's around New Year's, every December. And thousands of kids come. This is the last one they're ever going to have. And it's a very successful, really, it's been as like a move of God because the Lord's told them to restructure. And here's what happened. And I don't know if this was the only, the catalyst. But it probably was enough to push them over to, hey, we gotta, we got to get things back. we got to get them in order. A thousand Chinese pastors and leaders came to the Kansas City Fellowship. One thousand. To wash the feet of the leaders and to bring a message. And the message was the persecution that we've experienced in the East is now coming to the West. And so they begin to get things. Now, if you've been reading the news China, it's not that they're going to let up. In fact, what do they call it? It's like a social credit system now that every citizen of China will be graded as to how they react. For example, every move they make, every place they visit, the data is being collected. and, And the way it is they've set it up where if you do things that honor the government, then you'll be, you know, promoted. You'll get so many points in this credit system. If you were ever to be politically incorrect, so to speak, speak, then your points would be that you'll lose them and you'll lose your freedoms. And that's happening in China. It says, so everybody is going to be socially graded through Facebook, through many other means, facial recognition. How many of you know now they have devices where they can know what you're thinking? How do you think these autonomous cars are going to work? You know, they're going to look at your face and know certain things about your emotions. This is, inc- this is Just say, I'm glad I'm alive in this hour. <laughs> no, 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 you should be a glad. This is not a scary time. This is the most exciting time to be alive. To call to be alive on the earth. At the revelation of Jesus. The book of Revelation is not a scary book. It's about Jesus. It's the revealing of the Son of God. Now, one more thing I wanted to touch before I go back to the book of... Um, Zachariah, Rick also shared with us a dream that he had. And, and again, it's not the dream to me that most excites me. It's what God shows me in the Word that confirms the dreams. And he showed me in the Word what confirmed this dream. But Rick saw cities on fire in our nation. And he saw that there's coming a second American revolution, second American civil war, so to speak. And he, he saw that, number one, it was necessary. So I'm just sharing. Maybe that's why you're here today. Because God's got a role for you in this hour. You know, we, we're alive at this moment in history for a purpose. You could have been aborted. Some of you, that might have been the plan to abort you. But you didn't. It didn't happen. You survived. You made it. You know, I don't know that. There are people watching maybe. But he saw that it was necessary. The second thing he told us is that before he had the dream, he thought that any civil war or revolution would be years down the road. After the dream, he realized it was not years down the road. It's imminent. And then he said he felt like the Lord was saying to be prepared to overcome and to reap the harvest in the midst of it. And then he now we can send this to you if you'll email us. You know, at the gathering church office at gmail.com, we'll send you this. It was in two parts. The second part, he ex- describes how war we know is an ultimate evil. How I many of you know that war is not necessarily something you want to look forward to? But there are, as there are unrighteous wars. What's an unrighteous war? When a nation maybe would invade another nation or something. But there are righteous wars. How I many of you know that? For example, there are certain times. If you refuse to fight, a greater evil will come upon the land. And so you stand and fight. You know, and, it's, and the Bible, there are wars from Genesis to Revelation. And I believe that the Lord, the, He's the Lord of hosts. We'll talk about that. But He also saw that these wars were necessary... But the purpose was that our nation would be realigned with its original purpose And that we had drifted And uh, now I've heard, I'm just, I'm not going to share any more about that I want to go on, but he's not the only one I heard give these prophecies How many of you else have heard some prophecies along this line? And so God's getting us ready Wouldn't it be just like God to make us warriors in the spirit? Because there's a greater battle going on There's some battles that if we fight in prayer, we don't have to fight in public. So that's why he's calling 90 men and calling us to pray and intercede. But the word confirms this. Look over in Zechariah chapter 14. And then I want to finish up in the book of Zechariah. Go back to chapter 10 because we were there last week. But... To me, the Scripture is a higher level, the highest level of revelation. In chapter 14, verse 13, And it shall come to pass in that day that a great panic from the Lord will be among them. And everyone will seize the hand of his neighbor and raise his hand against his neighbor's hand. That's exactly what Rick saw. And I just was thinking this morning, remember what the Lord said. He, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace to the earth. I came to bring a sword. I came to separate. And he actually said later on in another place, he said, your enemy, a man's enemies will be those from among his own household. Household America. So we're living an incredible time and we need to stay focused. We don't dwell on what the devil is doing, but listen, God is up to something. And that's what we want to focus on. Now, we were looking at the book of Zechariah and remember the the people came out of Babylonian captivity. And, um, you know, they were the only hope for the nation. How many of you know the government is not the hope for the nation? You know, our hope is not who sits in the, the White House, even though we pray for Him and our leaders. The hope is who sit in, sits in God's house. And I think this is prophetic today. It's a great, well, just a little ice storm and 700 churches have closed. But a remnant has come together to worship the Lord. It's only going to be a remnant that's going to catch the vision of what God is doing in this hour. God doesn't need the whole clan. He needs a righteous remnant who will pursue Him with all their heart. It doesn't take many. Gideon's army was not the whole army. It was just a remnant. And we know that. And then we know about Zechariah and how that he was not the most polite person to ever lead God's people. He was a little bit rough in his speech, he reminds me of somebody today that sits in the White House. He was not that polite. And uh, Zachariah was, we saw, he was like a criticizer. I mean, he just went to the root of the problem. But he was an energizer as well. He challenged the people that there was a higher standard. God's way was the greater way. And, um, oh, something else. I'm going to backtrack. Can I, is that okay? You can do that when there's a few people. Back in that vision... Of that dream of that train, seeing my dad on that train. You know, the cars had separated in segments and it was about to take off. And I had to get there if I was going to be a part, you know, if I was going to see my dad. Listen, God's on the move. And if you're going to be, you're going to go his way, you've got to know him as your way. And you've got to go, you've got to move. Listen, I believe we're living in a short time. Seek Him while He may be found. Why does the Scripture say that? What's that for? Does that mean you'll lose your salvation? No. But when God's moving, you've got to be on the move. You've got to be ready. You've got to be after, going after Him passionately. Does that make sense? I wanted to make sure we didn't forget that part. Well, going back now, Zechariah. Remember Jesus said, or the Scriptures say. Now, Jesus did say in Luke 24, He said, at the beginning of Moses, and all the prophets, he spoke, he expounded to them in all the Scriptures things concerning himself. He preached out of these prophets. And the Scripture says, whatever is written beforehand was written for our example on whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, how many of you know this is not the day to be ordinary? It ain't going to work if you're an ordinary Christian. We don't need ordinary Christians. We don't need ordinary churches. In my own testimony, I remember I said, God, don't let me be an ordinary pastor. I remember, I told him that. And I hope, I hope I've lived up to it. I know that I can. I don't want to be ordinary. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be regular. I want to be premium. You know what I'm talking about. You want to be premium. You know, the regulars, the cheap gas. And by the way, thank God it's a little cheaper right now. You know, I really am grateful when I drive up to the tank. Now I'm going to drive up to the gas, you know. But it's good for us, but it may not be always good for all the producers and all that's going on. You know, the manufacturers. I don't know. You know, why is it going down and down? You know, there's probably more to the story. But this is not a day to be ordinary. Now one of my favorite preachers was David Wilkerson. I want you guys to get ready. For this, David Wilkerson, would, he wasn't liked in a lot of the circles in the body of Christ. You know why? He preached repentance. Preached repentance. Not everybody wants to hear that message. And David died what's had been 10, 12 or so years. I, I don't know how many years ago now. It seemed like it was 2011 when David died. But he, he was not ordinary. And I want to share with you just a short little segment. It takes six minutes. And then I'm going to talk about it. But I want to show you this from something that David Wilkerson spoke.
2: You know, when I, I read the Old Testament, I'm overwhelmed at the intensity of the men of God. I wonder where they get that spiritual authority and where they get this Holy Ghost stamina to do what they did. For a prophet to lay for 365 days on his side, warning Jerusalem of coming judgment. 365 days laying on his side. I, I read of these men that fast 40 days and 40 nights. I can't fast three. I, I, I read of men that are so burdened with the burden of God and so incensed against the sin against God's nature that they can pull clumps out of their beard and clumps out of their hair. I'm amazed at at, at men who can weep and cry and mourn for two and three weeks at a time on their face. No food, no water and mourn and grieve for the heart of God. And I read those stories and I say, God, those are men of another sort. I, I don't know what that's like. And, and, and then the thing that troubles me is that God says that these things have been put in the Word as examples for us upon whom the ends of the world have come. That, that these, these men were men of like passion. There, was, there, was, there were patterns, there was something in them that God did that laid, what caused God to lay His hands on them. Our present generation is probably, that, and, and without a doubt, the most wicked of all times, many more times wicked than then Sodom, Gomorrah, Nineveh. If there was ever a time that people, or nations and churches and the society needed men of such intensity, it's now. Why would God arbitrarily raise up men, men of another sort who had this passion, who were able to do incredible exploits in Understanding the heart of God and showing the heart of God to nations and brought them to repentance through their actions And I I say to myself God would you arbitrarily all all the way from church history all the way back to Abraham go all the way back and God would raise up prophets and God would raise up men and raise up women with such an anointing that they would bring the whole society to their knees and back to God why would God suddenly at these last days when we need him more than any other generation not raise up men and women as such I think it obligates us now I'm not speaking just about preachers, but every, every member of every congregation, everyone who calls himself by the name of Jesus Christ to search the word of God out and find the patterns, how these men became men of another sort. How, why did God touch them? Why did God anoint them? Why did God use them? And why did their words not fall to the ground? And why were they so marvelously changed by the power of the hand of God? There are no hidden secrets about being touched by God. There are no hidden secrets. You can study the Word of God and find the patterns, find the way in which men were touched by the hand of God and follow that path. I'm not that kind of man, but I, I, I want to be a man of another sort a man touched by the hand of God where even the enemies of the Lord know that there's a spiritual authority and know that there's been something that comes from the throne of God's heart We're considering Ezra first of all the bible said a man who awakened his entire nation It said of him he was a man with the hand of God on him Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it to practice it He set his heart. This was a conscious decision. One day he said, I am going to be a man of the word. I'm going to go to the word and I'm going to tremble by it. I'm going to act on everything I read. And God saw a man who was saturated with his word, who hungered and loved and appreciated the word. This one man prepared his heart to I am going to be a man of the word. There's not a person hearing me that cannot do that by a conscious decision. You don't need some Holy Ghost revival. You don't need somebody sitting down putting you under conviction. You take this word in your hand and say, God, as sure as I have the authority to sit and watch television for three hours, I've got the ability, I can make a decision, I can study God's word. God supernaturally is his hand on only those who hunger and thirst after his word and do it. God touches those who love his word and who fast and pray according to that word. Did you see the pattern? Into the word? Back to fasting and prayer. Getting the burden of the Lord in his mind. There's nothing complicated about it. It's setting the heart, engaging the heart, preparing the heart to seek the Lord.
1: Look in um, Zechariah chapter 10. and just going to share some things that, that um, I think that stick out to us about what God is doing in this hour. And I would just say that this is part of what he spoke of is what God is doing. Look in verse 3, Zechariah chapter 10, verse 3. And uh, it says, For the Lord... In the middle of that verse, for the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah, and he will make them as his royal horse in the battle. And then in verse 5, and they shall be like mighty men who tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle, and they shall fight because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be put to shame. And there are just about five things that I saw there just. Throw them out. First of all, it was the Lord of hosts will visit his flock. The Lord of hosts is used. It's a name that's used some 261 times. You know what it means, right? Everybody knows. The Lord of heaven's armies. The Lord of heaven's armies. God's raising up an army empowered by heaven to do the will of God on the earth. We've been praying for 2,000 years. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He will answer that prayer. The will of God is going to be done. What God is looking for are those who will surrender to His will. They will forsake their own and turn to Him. But for an army to be effective, an army, you know, a literal army, would have to be trained. Is that not correct? What do you think we've been going through? What do you think you've been going through? Training. Training for this hour. I believe practice is over, and the game has begun, and he's calling out. And you know, it's really interesting. It says, for the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah. How many of you know what Judah means? Praise. So what is one of our greatest weapons? We have prayer, fasting, faith, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. But praise is a weapon, a mighty weapon in the hands of God. It's just when you don't know what else to do, you just start praising Him and worshiping Him. And He comes through, He inhabits, and He breaks out and pushes back the enemy. And then another thing, it says He will make them as His royal horse in the battle. Now, royal horse speaks of a beautiful, majestic, or in other words, a prized horse. You're not just, you know, a second-string stream, second stream believer. You know, when I played Little League football, I was second string. Were you second string or were you one of the first stringers? You didn't even play. You know, did you know that in high school sports, they have, you know, for example, in football, you could be like a three-star athlete, a four-star, you know, fight. And if you're a five-star, you're going to probably get, Alabama's going to come knocking on your door. If you're a four-star, you know, you could still get a pretty good school. You know, Alabama could still come, but maybe, you know, somebody like North Carolina, you know. If you're three-star, you know, three-star. Anyway, I didn't mean that, you uh, Tar Heel fans. I didn't mean that at all. Four-star is still pretty good. Three-star, you know, that's... You're going to go somewhere else. Two-star, if you're a two-star, that's where Lenore Ryan, you know, or, you know, at, you know, one of the little schools. But let me tell you, every one of us you're Mark. You've already been graded. You're a five-star son and daughter of the living God. You're five-star. Say, I'm five-star. You know, that means, hey, you're, you're on the first string and you're called to this hour. He's not wasted what he's poured into you. He's been pouring it into you so he can pour it out to a generation in need. And then the next thing is, it says, verse 5, For they shall be like mighty men, mighty men. When I was growing up, we had a cartoon series called Mighty Mouse. Anybody remember Mighty Mouse? You know, you guys probably shows our age. I don't think Mighty Mouse is on anymore. But you didn't fool with that mouse. You didn't, that mouse was mighty. I'm telling you, he could climb tall buildings and, you know, he could break. I mean, he was amazing. Well, listen, God's called us to be mighty men. Mighty men. Did you know, back over in Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, He that touches you touches the apple of my eye. Now I know that that is a prophetic word also literally to Jerusalem and Israel, but do you know, I think it's for us. Whatever was written beforehand was written for those of us who are alive at the end of the age on the earth. The Scripture is plain. It was written for those as your example on whom the ends of ages have come. And the, the word apple literally means pupil. So look, if somebody comes up and sticks you, or sticks their finger in your eye, is that, that going to get you some kind of reaction? So God, so God says, you're my pupil. You're the pupil of my eye. If somebody comes up and starts poking at you, they're poking at the, the pupil of God's eye. It's going to get God's attention. God is going to rescue, He's going to defend His sons and daughters in this hour. That's what I believe that He's saying through that. He that touches you is touching me. Let me tell you, our God is mighty. He's mighty. And uh, the world's going to know how mighty He is one more time. Now, I know that when we are weak, then we are strong. I understand. So we don't boast in our might. We boast in our weakness so that the might of God would rest on us, the strength of God. And then it says they shall tread down their enemies. Now, remember the original purpose of man in genesis speaking after men and women sinned adam and eve and god cursed the serpent he said you will bruise their heel and they will bruise your head well that's a prophetic promise that would last throughout all generations i often use shirley as an example i have to share this this was maybe i don't know nine years ago eight years something like that but um Anyway, there was something that was not going right. The enemy was rallying up. You know what I'm talking about? And so we're praying. Shirley and I are praying against the enemy. And Shirley said, You know, we need to stomp our feet. We need to stomp our feet. we need to put our foot down. So I looked over at it. This was a word from the Lord. When Shirley puts her foot down, you, you let me hey, that's it. So she, anyway, so we just started literally prophetically putting our foot down. You know, and I don't know if we ever Realized, but I was trying to think. Now, first of all, I can't even remember what it was. Secondly, I know whatever it was is gone. This is the hour to put your foot down. Put your foot. He said, Everywhere you put your foot, everywhere you tread, I've given you that land. Some of us, breakthrough has been so close, we just hadn't, you know, you hadn't put your foot down and demanded. You know, don't take no for an answer. This is, a, I believe God's raising up a people. They're not going to take no for an answer. Now, if it comes no from God, that's a different story. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we have, what we have is mightier than what the enemy has. And then it says, this battle will take place in the mire of the streets of the battle. Now, last week when I shared this scripture, we talked about that. The mire refers to the soggy, stuck, you know, you get... It's basically some unfavorable condition. How many of you remember the mighty men of David? You remember Benaiah? You you know what happened to him. Anybody remember? It says, Benaiah. Now, this is what he did. He was one of the mighty men of David. It said that Benaiah also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. You think about that. First of all, Benaiah is facing a lion, face to face with a lion. Secondly, he's in a pit. There's no way out. You can't get out of that pit. Thirdly, it's snowing. So even if you try to get out, you're going to slip. You're going to fall like the ice today. But Benaiah did not let the circumstances affect what God had purposed. He killed and brought down the lion. And God's raising up a people today like Beniah, They're going to bring the lions down. Amen? And I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for an anointing as we wrap this up. The next thing is what will be most, most known about them. In verse 5, or chapter, or verse five in the, the second part, it says they will fight because the Lord is with them. The Lord is with them. Now, if you're a little bit like me at times, you may feel unimpressive. You ever feel that way? You ever feel like, hey, I'm not the most impressive? I'm not the most anointed. I'm not that great. I don't have the greatest faith. You ever feel, anybody else ever feel that way? You just feel a little less than what, when what God said about you definitely is less. And I was thinking this week, remember they looked at Jesus. He was not that, by his appearance, that attractive. Where is it? Isaiah 53. You know. They looked at him. he was not that, you know, attractive. His appearance, because he... He really was not that much to look at, but he was every, he was the anointing. And that's what God wants us to be. We may not be that, that attractive, but I'm telling you, God is going to separate those who are the pretenders from those who really are walking with the hand of God upon them. And that's what we want to be. We want to, we want to be known as the people that the Lord is with us. And then the last thing it says that uh, they... The riders, verse 5, and the riders on horses shall be put to shame. So there are two groups. First of all, there's, he will make us like as his royal horse in the battle. God's going to ride in on a people. And then down here, they're going to put the riders on horses shall be put to shame. What is that? That's a different group. That's horse is often represents the flesh. So those who are riding or depending on the power of the flesh are going to be put to shame. One of the main things of the book of Zechariah is it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I tell you, we're not going to accomplish. There's no way to save America in the flesh. We don't have a military strong enough. The darkness is too embedded in every segment of society. The deception 24 hours a day. They're even getting bold in their deception. They're telling people they're deceiving them. What really is mind-boggling is the people are still being deceived even though they're being told you're being deceived. It's an incredible time in America. It's not going to work. We're never going to talk people out of their sin. The Holy Ghost has come and convict and break the power of sin. and He's the only one that can turn the hearts It's not the flesh. It's not those that are riding on horses of flesh. It's those who are riding in on... They're like the royal horse of the Spirit. And then, let me just wrap it up now. I'm really going to wrap it up. Look, verse 6. Just read it. And I will strengthen the house of Judah. And I will save the house of Joseph. And I will bring them back because I, I will have mercy on them. And they shall be as though I had not cast them aside. For I am the Lord their God. And I will hear them. Those of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their hearts shall rejoice as if with wine. That's the new wine. Yes, their children shall see it and be glad. Now, what does that refer to? If we walk in our calling in this hour, generations to come will benefit from our obedience and our sacrifice. If you sell out to God, regardless of the cost, you do not know the impact that will have on your children and your children's children, And your children's children's children should the Lord tarry. And they will look and they'll be glad. And their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. Now verse 8, and this is what I see God doing. And I will whistle for them and gather them. For I will redeem them and they shall increase as they once increased. And are we not receiving a kingdom which is increasing, on the increase, of the increase of its government and peace. But notice in verse 8 what God said I'm going to do. I will whistle and I will gather them. I believe with all of my heart in this hour, God, the Spirit of the living God, is whistling for the mighty men to arise. And women, the mighty men and women. You know, God's no respecter of persons, but I do believe God's raising men back up to be men. Because they've been, you know, there's been a watering down of what it means to be a man in America. It's been by design. Because the devil knows when mighty men arise, then all of hell is put on the alert. When you get men and women arising together, all of the kingdoms of hell, they're in jeopardy and their time is short. And so I just want to pray that over us. And I appreciate you guys. Appreciate those watching. And um, that's why I had to press on today. I don't care how much ice there would have been. I mean, if I couldn't have got here, it would have been all right. I mean, I, it would have been okay. But there's something he had in my spirit I have to release. We've got to pray this not only for us but for our nation right now. We need mighty men and women. We need the mighty ones to arise. And there are many mighty ones right here. That's why you came from Dallas. I don't know how in the world you got in this church today from Dallas, Texas, and Wilmington. But you're mighty men. You're mighty. So, Lord, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that your word will never return void. It will always accomplish the purpose that you send it. To accomplish And Lord we thank you And I ask you God To let the mighty men Hear the whistle of heaven And Lord I thank you That you're gathering them And we call them forth now Across this nation We call the mighty men To arise Mighty men and women of God Arise in this hour Lord, we prophesy it, we declare, we believe it, and we thank you that many are hearing that whistle, and they're arising for their destiny and their purpose because of what lies within them, the birthing of God, the birthing of heaven. Lord, I pray in this room for those that have come just for this day or those that they're part of our family, those that are watching apart, but they couldn't be, get here this morning. But I pray the same anointing would be released, God. And that, Lord, that you would let it bear much fruit and let it be fruit that remains. And we thank you, God. We trust you. And We honor you, Lord. And, Lord, I pray everyone that's walked in this place this morning and those that are watching God, those that need a miracle, I pray for a sovereign move of God. I ask you, God, to touch them. I pray the hand of God would rest upon them. And I rebuke every devourer. I rebuke every sickness. And I thank you, Lord, for the power of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, to heal and deliver and save. And I thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We just, we just say, I receive, Lord. I receive that anointing. I want you just to stand, just as a testimony. Say, Lord, I'm standing as one of the mighty ones. I'm just going to tell you, just, it's just what I see. I see the shepherd, and he's got a long white robe, and he's walking around right now, and he's putting his hand upon people all in this place. He's just walking. He's just putting his hand on you. Okay? You may feel heat. You may feel nothing. doesn't matter. But we thank you, God. You're putting your hand upon people. The anointing. We're going to be known as a people who walk in the anointing. Who walk with the hand of God upon us. And, Lord, I pray that you would bring to our memory the words that we heard from David Wilkerson. We will not escape that call for this hour to be men and women of a different sort. Lord, all over this land, we thank you for doing it in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you, Lord.